noon hour is here. Check it out. And you're locked on to Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports radio station. It's my station. It's my station. This is, this is, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Welcome on in, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Hans and Scotty, hope you're all well. Happy Friday, everybody. We made it. The weekend is almost here. Hey, Hans, how you doing? I'm doing so good, man. Honestly, could not be better. So excited to be here at the Huntsman's Expo. The Huntsman, I like to call it the uh, conserva- Conservation Expo because, Scotty, you and I have always been more on the conservation side. Then we have getting a gun and going shooting something that's a lot tougher than us. But we do love the conservation side, and that's why I really do love this expo. It focuses very heavily on the conservation of our wildlife in this state. So I am proud to support this event. I am more than happy to be here. You know, you, you don't hardly see me without a fishing rod in my hands on the weekend. So I do love the outdoors, and I love being a part of all this, Scotty. Love going through there uh, and uh, checking out the place. So many great exhibits, so many great uh, opportunities. And let's say you're like, you know, you're a fisherman more than a hunter. Well, they've got things for you there. Let's say you're more of a hunter than you are a fisherman. All right. They've got stuff for you there. Let's just say you're an outdoorsman and you don't really like hunting or fishing. Well, guess what? They've got great stuff. If you're just a camper or a hiker or things like that, they've got that for you as well. Whatever you're looking for when it comes to the outdoors they got it for you there. It's it's as cool as anything we have here in Utah that goes on on a yearly basis. Yeah, they put a lot into this. And, you know, you've got this beautiful downtown. If you haven't been down here, maybe you're listening to us up in Logan or you're down in St. George or you're kind of down in that Nephi area. This is something to come up for. It's a great weekend. You know, you bring the kids out here. They've got every taxidermied animal that you could ever imagine. I don't know, Scotty. I don't know why anybody would want to shoot a crocodile, but I'm sure they've got that taxidermy here. I'm, I'm looking at a buffalo, and you know those are hard to hunt, buddy, you know, because they, they move fast. So yeah. they're hard. They're really hard to bring down. I mean, you've got to be a marksman, an expert marksman. you got a buckshot. Got to be able to take them down on a wide range, you know. But they do have some beautiful buffalo mounts here. And, you know, dude, I am such a big fan of – of animals i just love the the animal kingdom and it's pretty incredible to see these animals up close so bring your kids down we got candies is this sean do we have hand sanitizers we're that's hand sanitizer that we're giving out to our listeners scotty i i don't Uh know if we've ever distributed hand sanitizer in our show history but it's got the ksl um sports logo on these hand sanitizer bottles and uh, if if you're feeling like your hands are dirty after petting some of these taxidermied animals, come on over. We'll, we'll get your hands clean. Well, and that's, you know, not necessarily something that resonates with our listeners. But, hey, you know what? Uh, let's get you squared away and let's get you going, man, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how much uh, our, our listeners are overly concerned with <laughs> clean hands but if that it is important to you then we got your back we got you take care we got you so don't even worry about it just come on over get some clean hands 
hanging out here in Fort Collins. I wish I was there with you, man. Uh, I wish I was hanging out with you. I got one more day here in Fort Collins, and then uh, game tomorrow, and then we're heading on back. It'd be good to be back home for sure. Well, we've missed you, but glad that you are committed enough to throw the headset on and, and give us your takes on a given night. And we got a lot to get to with this Jazz team. I got a few different angles that I want to get into, Scotty. But that game last night, at the very minimum, it was gripping. Well, you can't say you weren't entertained. That's for sure. Uh, let's get to it. Time for your starting lineup, 97.5, the EKSL Sports Zone. This is Hanson Scotty G. Let's go. The lineup is set, and it's time to kick off the show with the biggest topic of the day. This is the starting lineup on 97.5, the KSL Sports Song. Sexton penetrates, cut off by Draymond. Keontae, left corner three. Keontae again. Keontae George with the best shooting first half of his young career. Six threes and 18 points. And Colin steals the inbound. Finds Keontae trailing. Three ball good. Jazz back with an 11. 96-85. What a night from the rookie. Keontae George, 33 points. Nine of 16 from the three-point line. And the Jazz just come up a little bit short. Losing 140 to 137 to the Warriors. Uh, now the Jazz get ready for the All-Star break, but they did everything they could in the fourth quarter hands, but just couldn't get over the hump. Couldn't get over the hump, but, th- man, this was a lot of fun to watch. And, you know, there were a couple of things that I wanted to address right out of the gates with our listeners because I- I'm sure that the bulk of them were watching this game last night, and they saw John Collins. They saw the incident. They saw the mistake. And, yep. you know, it was a big one. It was a, a really brutal mistake. Golden State kind of got away with this. And by the way, Scott, last night you could see how the Clippers were able to work their way back from a 15-point deficit and earlier in the season a 20-point deficit. You can see Golden State kind of falls asleep a little bit. Uh, Is it possible? Is it humanly possible? Because I I was never good enough in the game of football, at least the professional world, to get bored with what I was doing. And when I was better than everybody in those very limited years, I was so tuned in with going and getting mine that I never got bored with anything. But is it possible? Because you watch Golden State, they, they tend to fall asleep a little bit. Is it possible that they get bored with these leads and get bored with these games and get bored with the game of basketball? Oh, I think absolutely. Absolutely. Especially when you play 82 games, you um... – and you've won championships and the season is a long grind. I think it's a little different in football because the season, like you only get 16 or 12 in college and, and there's so much enormity and so much pressure on each individual game. But when you have 82 of them and you feel like the game's in hand and you just kind of start coasting a little bit, I think it happens all the time. Absolutely. I think that happens. Well, that's what it felt like because Clay Thompson was on a tear. He was just <clears throat> he was going shot for shot, stride for stride, out shooting everybody and anybody. Even though Keontae George tied a rookie record, Clay Thompson decided he was going to have a night. Uh, Steph Curry extremely active and engaged. 
for at least three, maybe three and a half quarters. And then Golden State with a big lead, they just all of a sudden disappear kind of really late in this game. And the Utah Jazz stomp on the accelerator and find themselves in this game. They find themselves with all the momentum, all the fan support, all the excitement, the home court advantage. They find themselves with the better angles, the better shots, the better rebounds, and they get themselves within a single possession. A shot is put up. It's clanked off the rim. John Collins comes down with the rebound. He's got an opportunity with, uh, what, it was two, maybe three seconds, Scotty? Yep. Somewhere in that range. And, you know, some could say a timeout in that situation or, you know, whatever whatever you're going to do in that situation, you've got options. And John Collins throws it out of bounds. Yeah. And yeah. It, was, it was deflating. And you could see it. He wore it on his face and his teammates were trying to pick him up and trying to make him feel better about the situation. But that's a brutal mistake, man. That's a, that is a brutal mistake that cost your team, cost the win, cost the momentum, the excitement. Um, you know, they, they still did have an opportunity with a heave at the end to which, – which, by the way, Scotty, how about that look they were able to generate? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. After, after Golden State shoots the free throws, that, I mean, the, the look that the Jazz were able to generate off the – was just below the break – uh, was it the Sexton? Sexton had a look at it, didn't he? Yep, yep. On the inbound, Sexton with that so, yeah. look, it, you know, look it. It turned out the best it, it, it could for that look and that opportunity. But uh, Collins is going to struggle with this one for a while, don't you think? Yeah, no. This is the one that's going to eat at you for a while. I mean, and and you know, again, I think that the Jazz right now at four games under five hundred, obviously have a ton of work to do to get themselves at a point where they can get back into the race for that 10th spot at least or you know ninth at least hanging in there for the uh an opportunity to play for the uh play in uh but but look they're they're up against it right now and there's a lot of room now between them and Sacramento Sacramento at 31 and 23 the Jazz aren't going to make that up so they've got to look at Golden State and they've got to look at the Lakers but now you look at Utah, who's now four games back behind the Lakers, and uh, and Gold State has got uh, a record of twenty-seven and twenty-six. So, you know, about a half game back there. So they've got some work to do to try to climb the ladder a little bit to catch the Lakers in Sacramento. They needed that win last night, and I think yeah. that's why you're going to feel if you're John Collins and if you're some of these other guys that made some. You know, look, you fight like crazy and you do everything you can. You outscore Golden State by 15 in the fourth quarter and you get a iconic performance from a rookie and so much is going your way. The crowd's losing their mind thinking, oh, my gosh, are we going to do this? Are we going to pull this off? And then one little mistake erases a lot of it very quickly. Yeah, considering the standings, where you're at, what you've been through, the team you're playing, what's at stake, the fact that you're going to let this marinate for the next four or five days without, uh, you know, you know, essentially without playing any games, that that that's a tough pill to swallow. It's a it feels a little different than it would just a normal game in the middle of February where you make a screw up in a game and you lose a game. This one feels like it has a little bit of a different weight to it. Yeah, it does. It does. I'm I'm right there with you. And the way they pushed and the way the fans were in it, 
and you could see Coach Hardy was so engaged, and th- they wanted that win because Golden State pressed. Uh, so we were right. We were talking about this yesterday, Scotty, about how much Golden State wanted that, at least until the final five or six minutes where they started to blink. <clears throat> we were right how important that game was yep. to them because yep. they came out on fire, all engaged, all hands on deck, good rotations, doing their thing, and I thought, oh, man, this could be a stretch. And when the Jazz even had a chance to be in it in the final couple minutes, it was like, okay, I started rubbing my hands together, like, okay, and everybody leaned into it. And it was fun to see everybody engaged, and it was really cool to see Colin Sexton pick up his teammate and, and you know, pound him on the chest, and it was kind of awkward and, and, a, and a little corny when – when Collins smacked him on the head a little bit and, you know, but, but the whole thing was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. I, I like that interaction with the teammates. The the other observation I took away and Scotty, I want to talk. Well, first of all, I want to ask you a question on this, Scotty. Am I the only one? Are there many people out there that are trying to draw any comparisons? And I know that they're different players, but anybody out there that's trying to draw any comparisons to Keontae George and Donovan Mitchell in their rookie seasons? Is there, is that just me? Because I might be way misguided in it, but I, I guess I'm comparing it a little bit, trying to understand who Keontae George is and compare it to who Donovan Mitchell became and looking at their start and their personality and trying to figure out what Keontae George will be if it's anything close to Donovan Mitchell. Do, do other people think, think of that? Uh, I think there's – I think there's – I think that's a fair conversation to have. The problem is, is that the team's not as good. And so you're not going to see a run into the second round of the playoffs from this Jazz team. And, you know, you probably won't even see this Jazz team make the playoffs. Uh, And so, I, you know, you look at how Donovan Mitchell started. I think people forget, like, how miserable the start was for Donovan Mitchell his rookie year. I mean, that first month or two, that dude was shooting in bulk and it wasn't going well. And then all of a sudden it clicked. And then and then obviously he became a tremendous player to the point where he probably should have won rookie of the year. Uh, Now, uh, Keontae George is not going to be in that conversation, thanks to, you know, Chet and Victor and and the others. And and the team's not as good. But I do think that you can pull together some pieces and say, okay, but this guy has got an opportunity to be a star in this league. Does he have a chance to be a megastar like Donovan Mitchell? I don't know. I think the jury's still out there a little bit. It's been a little bit more of a bumpy ride. It feels that way than Donovan, but maybe I'm not remembering the Donovan rookie year as well as I should. But this feels like more of like an up-and-down roller coaster, whereas Donovan started out started out low, and then it just continued to escalate on a one trajectory path the whole way up. So I don't know. That's a good question. We probably, you know, I'm going to take a deep dive on that and let's, you know, maybe circle back on that. It's a, it's a, it's a fascinating question to have for sure. Well, I, I really did. I, I mean, I looked down at some of the numbers. I haven't done an overly deep dive, but just to give people a little bit of perspective on what the situation was then with Quinn Snyder and this Utah Jazz team. This was the starting five, or this was, you know, through parts of the season, the starting five. Derek Favors was on that team. That was the Ricky Rubio, Joe Ingles. Um, I, I don't know how many people remember Jerebko, but Jerebko was on oh, that yeah. team. Uh, you had Tabo Cephalosha. You had Royce O'Neal, who I believe Royce was in his rookie season as well. Is that right? 
Uh, I think so, or close to. Either close first to. or second year. You had Alec Burks on that team. So that was that was that Utah Jazz Donovan Mitchell rookie year team. And what I did is I, I just compared December, January, and parts of February with where Donovan Mitchell was compared to where Keontae George currently is, Scotty. And it's it's just no comparison. Yeah, you talked about the, the slow start um, to Donovan Mitchell, and, and that's why I kind of left uh, bits of November and kind of the starts of October. But just looking at when they really started getting going in December, through the month of December, Donovan Mitchell averaged 23 points, 3.8 assists, and 3.4 rebounds. In that same month, Keontae George averaged 13 points, so 10 points less, 4.8 assists, so he's an assist more, and 2.8 rebounds, and a rebound less. Uh, so 10 points less through the month of December. If you go to the month of January, January was a really good month for Donovan Mitchell at 22 points. You've got Keontae George at 11 points through the month of January. Donovan Mitchell averaged 3.4 assists and 3.8 rebounds. Keontae George, 3.2. So Donovan right there, uh, 0.2 ahead and 2.3. So over a rebound less. And then just looking through the month of February to this point, Donovan Mitchell averaged 21.4 points through the month of February. Keontae George at 15.4 points. I also want to note, Scotty, that through um, – January and through January and February, Donovan Mitchell was averaging about 34.8 minutes a game, 34.8 minutes a game. And Keontae George through those two months is averaging about 26 minutes a game. So Mm. significantly fewer minutes, which, of course, is going to lead to point reduction. You, you could go to shot attempts, and as you mentioned, I remember the first time I heard uh, buying his shots in bulk at Costco was you back in 2017 in Donovan Mitchell's year. And I remember laughing, thinking, yeah, that that's pretty much right, because he was hoisting it up. In fact, through the month of – let's just take a couple of months out of this. Through the month of February, he averaged – 19 shots a game through the month of January, 18.5 through the month of December, 17.2. And we take a look at Keontae George. He's at, he was at 8.3 attempts through the month of January. And he's currently at 12 attempts a game through the month of February. So we're seeing it start to creep up and, and we should see it really jump up. And now that they've made the trades and they've identified what this team is going to be, it's going to be a rookie-centric team. So we should see Keontae George's numbers go up. But but as Scotty mentioned, this Jazz team was different. When they brought in Ricky Rubio, they had intentions to win. When they brought in Derek Favors, they had Derek Favors. Their intention was to win. And they made a nice late-season push to to get that winning going. Um, That's – that's really not where the Jazz are right now. And, and we remember so well the Utah Jazz in that season um, 
getting to the second round of the playoffs, knocking OKC off in six games. They won that one 4-2, and then getting bumped by Houston 1-4 in the second round. That was a pretty incredible season. Yeah, fantastic season. And But, okay, so let's let's just take the season apart, or let's just remove that, and let's remove the teammates and remove – you know, the the circumstances. Just look at Keontae George and Donovan Mitchell, different players, but is there a path to stardom for Keontae George like Donovan Mitchell? Can Keontae George be considered an upper echelon, max uh, all-star player in the NBA? Um. I, I think there's pieces there. I think I think I think it's there. Like I think that there's a path where Keontae George could be considered a superstar in this league that could have multiple all star opportunities. So man, I, I've <laughs> man, I love these conversations. I love our job, but I sometimes I get over anxious with, with some of these topics. And I know I miss on some, I hit on some and I miss on some, but Coming out of that game last night and and going through some of the Lakers game that I researched and, and really dug into a little bit before the show yesterday, just watching some of Keontae George's movement and some of his defense. And it's weird. It's, it's popcorn defense with Keontae George, man. He'll hit and he'll miss. And last night he got called on a, a, a foul. It was against, I think he was face guarding on Steph Curry. Yeah, it was on Steph Curry and ran Steph Curry basically out of bounds. I don't think that he should have got the whistle. He did, but it showed spectacular lateral movement. It showed guts because he's standing in front of Steph and Steph has that back to behind the, the back dribble and, and, and is nuts. And it was the clutch minutes of the game, like the more critical minutes of the game. And Keontae locked him up and ran him out of bounds. I got a garbage whistle. That sucked. But then earlier in the game, I watched him open up the gates a time or two and get completely destroyed. But I know that there's potential there. The other thing that I like to do is, you know, Scotty, Donovan Mitchell, and, and I'll never forget the first time that I met Donovan Mitchell was when we threw that first pitch together, which, you know, long story that I don't want to get into. But Donovan and I threw a first pitch together at a B's game. And I'm standing next to him, and I'm like, this guy's supposed to be an NBA superstar? <laughs> like, what, this guy? He's built like a running back. He could, he could be an NFL running back. That was my first thought was this guy's an, he's supposed to be an NBA dude, huh? When you look at Keontae George, your, your mind, when you look at Keontae and then you think of Donovan Mitchell, your mind makes you think Donovan was bigger than Keontae. Keontae's actually, and I've only got to stand next to Keontae a couple times, but he's actually a little bit taller than Donovan. He does not have the squared-out bulk that Donovan Mitchell has. And so Keontae's going to have to put some shoulders on, and he's going to have to put some pecs on, and he's going to have to really get the quads and the hips going without losing the spring, the elevation, and his lateral movement. See, that was what was really unique about Donovan Mitchell. He could carry 205 pounds, 210 pounds in a season, or he he is carrying 210, 215 pounds in a season, 
and he can move like a cat. Keontae George at whatever he is now, Scotty, 180, you know, now that we're 50-some-odd games through the season, he, he, he may be in that 180-pound range, max 185 pounds. And, and what I want to see is Keontae be able to put the bulk and the strength on that, that he can defend some of the, the better guards in this league. But we saw last night he can be a shooting star, man. He can. He can hit the threes. And when he got that transition stride and he found that confidence, he was stroking on the outside, and it was a thing of beauty. Yeah. So I I believe it, Scotty, but he's going to have to put on the pounds so his gate doesn't get open anytime a 220-pound guard throws a shoulder into him and hits him off the dribble on a hard penetration. Yep. He's got he's got to be able to square up with big, solid, strong hips and make that move so he can either draw the charge or he can hold his ground and get that get that player off of his route and 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 force the ball back to the offhand of the player because you know some of the best players in the NBA they understand the weak hand and they're able to get to the strong hand, force it to the weak hand and force them to their weak side. And I want to see Keontae George get better at that. But, man, I do, I do believe he can be something very special in this league. I think he's got it, Scotty. It's just it's got to continue to bloom and grow. Hands and Scotty, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. I'm here in Fort Collins, Utah State, Colorado State. Huge game coming up tomorrow. Hands, you're having a blast down there, man. I am. This is awesome. Down at the Salt Palace. I want everybody to come down. I want them to check out this amazing event down at the Salt Palace. You know, this is great for kids. And uh, so I understand, you know, maybe if you're thinking, oh, man, I, I don't know if I can afford to get a family of five or a family of six into the expo. Just out in the Salt Palace Forum, like the foyer and the, the two floors of area, man, they've got so many different sites to see and you know, taxidermy and vending and all kinds of great things. So, which, by the way, Scotty, our booth is outside of the paid area. So if people want to come by, grab some candy, some hand sanitizer, uh, they're, they're, they're free to do that. Oh, RV show tickets. That's Yeah, and that's today. So if, if you're looking to maybe hit the expo and the RV show, you can come down and you can get your RV tickets here and go hit that for free. But... Uh, Scotty and I are passionate about the conservation side of things. I, and, and, Scotty, I don't want to overspeak for you. but Nope, nope, I got you. You know, growing up in the state of Idaho, uh, both of us, we were very aware of the hunting world, and we understand the hunting world and, and, and love it and respect it. But the thing that really became the most important to me was that we're able to preserve and care for those beautiful majestic wild animals that are on our countryside living and thriving and enjoying their lives and enjoying the wilderness that's what's important to me and with this expo comes heavy conservation and that's what i'm truly interested about i want conservation in this state to be staunch i want poachers to be prosecuted to the furthest limit of the law I want any puke out there that decides to take an animal's life without a proper paid-for tag to know that I'd love to beat you up. I'd love to take you myself. 
I'd love to lay down some law on you. But that's why I love this expo, because the conservation end of it really does provide a lot of money to make sure that our hunting stays strong and our wildlife populations stay strong and that our hunting is limited to the number that it should be here in the state of Utah. Yeah, absolutely. Go down, support it. It's a really great event. Even if you're just a hiker, camper, they've got so many great, uh, so many great, uh, you know, people that can help you out, give you some great advice, things along those lines. It is for anything in the yeah. outdoors. It is just an awesome opportunity to check out some great, uh, great uh, different uh, venues and things like that. Go check it out. It's uh, down there at the Salt Palace right here on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. This is this is DJ and PK. Joined now by Jason Cole, senior writer for the 33rdteam.com. I think one of the most fascinating things about Andy Reid is he doesn't sweat the control of other human beings the way a lot of coaches classically do. There's a lot of coaches out there who would have worried about the fact that Travis Kelsey was dating Taylor Swift. Andy Reid looks at and goes, oh, cool, thanks, great. what are we doing? And that's the genius to me of Andy Reid is you let your guys be guys, run them as football players, allow them to be the human beings they want to be. And that's why I think he can sit back and actually enjoy the process of coaching and running games rather than worrying about a lot of stuff that he has no control over. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 to 10. Presented by Murdoch Chevrolet. Proudly serving Utah since 1926. On 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Looking for the latest on the Jazz, Utes, Cougars, and Aggies? Yeah. We've got you covered. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on 97.5, the Sports Zone. Hans Olsen, Scott Gerard, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Happy Friday, unless your name is George Klofkoff. <laughs> As the Pac-12, this is the email that went out from the Pac-12 conference. It is short, it's succinct, and it is pretty cold. I'll just read it verbatim. The Pac-12 Board of Directors announced today that the conference and George Kalafkoff have mutually agreed to part ways effective February 29th, 2024. More details about new leadership of the Pac-12 will be announced next week. That's it. He gone. I know that. George George Kalafkoff no longer the commissioner of the Pac-12. I know that moments of silence are awkward on air. I think George deserves it. I guess not total silence, just while this music plays. George, we never knew thee. I thought we get to see forever. All right, that's good enough. He doesn't deserve too much. (laughs) But were you feeling it for a second, though? Were you feeling it for just a second, though? Just for a second, just because I wanted to hear Boys to Men. That was about it. (laughs) I thought we would see forever. I thought that we'd see forever with USC and UCLA. And, man, I thought we'd see forever. But, no, we we just saw a couple of years of George Klyovkov. For those of you that don't know a lot about this, he kind of took over things in 2021 
just post-COVID when things really started to get scrambled and ugly. And I, and I got to, you know, with George Klyovkov being out today, I've, I just want to draw a comparison. This is a lot like if Lloyd Cole decided he was going to adopt a hamster. And he went down to the adoption clinic, and he told the adoption clinic, I'd really like to be the parent of a hamster. And the adoption clinic says to Lloyd, well, we have one hamster. And Lloyd says, all right, what's this hamster all about? Well, it's missing a leg. It's riddled with cancer. It wears an eye patch. And it, it, it most likely is going to die. And Lloyd says, you know what? I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it. I'm going to do my best with it. And three weeks later, the hamster's dead, and, and everybody pins it on Lloyd for being a bad hamster owner. That, that's essentially what happened with George Klyovkov taking over the Pac-12 from Larry Scott. He took over a legless hamster with an eye patch. Uh, <laughs> it's Friday. Why not? <laughs> I'm not even going to interject. <laughs> well, Lloyd, am I wrong? Well, I think that so. Okay. I think that you're looking at it from a, a perspective of that. It was already dead, dead when George Kalafikov took it over. I think it was just mostly dead, but <laughs> it wasn't dead, dead yet. Like it was, it was teetering and it was getting the, uh, you know, the, the, the paddles out and there were, there were oper- but I think there were opportunities. Right I'm not dead. What? Nothing. Here's your knife. I'm not dead. Yeah. He says he's not dead. Yes, he is. I'm not. He isn't? Well, he will be soon. He's very ill. I'm getting better. No, you're not. You'll be stone dead in a moment. (laughs) (laughs) But I also think that, that, yes, Larry Scott did about 70% of the... Okay, I'm going to go. Larry Scott did about 55% of the damage. And then I think your school presidents did about 25% of the damage. Uh But there's still Uh a good about 30% that George Kolovkov screwed up on. And you needed a strong leader because that's what a commissioner is there for is you got a bunch of school presidents who are academics, nerds. They are. They're just nerds. Okay. They don't know sports. They care about sports. And I think a good chunk of them understand how important sports are to the uh, overall view of the universities and how important they are. And, and that, that a good football and basketball team can drive um, applications and can and and attention to your school and so they understand the importance so you get a bunch of nerds together in a room that think that they know more than everybody else you have to have a strong commissioner that comes in and says hey look i've got this tv package this is a good deal this is the best we're going to get we have to take this deal and they're like no we can get more money no no you're like no 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 you can't and here's the thing we've got to take this because there's a limited amount of money available and this is the world we're living in right now. If we don't take this, we could be in trouble. And you've got to convince those nerds that that's the way you have to go. Because on the flip side, on the Big 12 side, you had a really strong commissioner out there that said, hey, look, the Pac-12 over there, they've got a weak commissioner and a bunch of nerds at, at, that are school presidents. We can leapfrog them. 
let's take our rights early. Let's take a deal that may not be as much money as you would like, but it gets the money in and we stay safe right now. And the presidents there were like, huh, well, that's a pretty smart deal. And they did it. And they essentially killed the Pac-12. The Pac-12 could have done the exact same thing to the Big 12, but they were dumb and they were slow and they were impatient. They weren't galvanized. They weren't un- They weren't together as a union and they fell apart. The Big 12, led by a much better commissioner and a much stronger commissioner, had the foresight, had the insight, and they realized what was going on. They played it perfectly. They survived. The Pac-12 mm-hmm. fell apart. That's why you have to have a strong commissioner. Yeah, they are really important. And, uh, you know, I think oh, you and I are so close to the percentage of fault that Klyovkov deserves. You said right around 30%. I go right around 20%. I tend to put a little bit more on the presidents and the schools. And I'm going to tell you why. And I know I've already done one comparison, and I know that you guys limit me to one comparison per segment or typically per show. But like Lloyd said, it's Friday, so let's get weird. Um, I've had two buddies whose wives left them essentially in the middle of the night. To the one buddy that you know who you are and you might be listening, I'm not talking about you. So just turn off the radio for a second. I'm not talking about you. But to the buddy that I am talking about, Scotty, all the signs were on the wall. It was obvious she was miserable and she was mistreating him and it was terrible and I would talk to him. I would continue to like, tell him, hey, listen, Larry, it's, it's going to happen. Like, it's, it's coming. It's going to happen. No, dude. I don't think you should no. name names. I didn't say his name, did I? You said Louie. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> dump that, Lloyd. Is that too late? Eh, never mind. Just let it fly. So I'm telling him, dude, she's... It's it's coming. He was like, no, I can save this. I'm going to save it. And I'm telling him, no, she yells at you. Um, she restricts you. She seems overly jealous and irate. It's coming. And he continued to ignore it. And then when she left him and took all her stuff and left him and he comes to me and he's like, she she left. And I'm like, I, I know, dude, like we all told you, all of us told you. It was coming. That's the way I look at USC and the Pac-12. How did the other schools throughout years not watch it all developing, even when they were complaining like, well, we're not getting our fair share of the revenue. Well, we bring in more than we deserve. Well, we don't get what we deserve. Well, we want more rights. We want higher percentages. We, And the more moaning and complaining and disinterest and dysfunction that every single president and every single athletic director and anybody out there listened to and heard and ignored you got exactly what you deserved a hundred percent because you didn't take it serious and you thought no they ain't going nowhere they don't got nowhere to go does anybody else really want them they're usc of course somebody's gonna want them they're stinking west coast brand in fact, the conference took them and, and went way off brand to bring in that brand. And for you guys to not watch and listen and hear and see the signs and be like, 
geez, I, we might be getting close to divorce and stop for a second and say, well, let's let's go on a vacation to the Bahamas for a couple of months and see if we can rebuild this passion because, uh, we, you know, we haven't slept in the same bed for about three weeks and it's really weird. Like you got to get in the same bed together because you can't argue when you're naked. Yep. That's all you I got. got. No, I got nothing, man. I'm sorry. That last one threw me off. I'm sorry. But Scotty, no, Scotty, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're 100 right. Is is were there not signs that a lot of people outside of Klyovkov should have read because the ultimate undoing was USC leaving. hundred percent. Yeah, that's what did it, and that's exactly what did it. Uh, and and that's what was the nail in the coffin. But it, it it didn't need to get to that point. Like it it could have been resolved before you got to that point. It could have been fixed before you got to that point. Yep. Uh, you forced USC with your poor leadership to look elsewhere. And you know it it just you didn't do the due diligence. You didn't do the work to make sure that you were in a place that. USC doesn't have a wandering eye. You know what? You, you need them to be happy. You need them to feel like the marriage is fulfilled, that they're getting all their needs and they're happy. And you just don't want any reason for that spouse of yours to be like, hmm, you know, I have this old boyfriend that's keeps yep. DMing me on Facebook. Yep. You know, I kind of miss those days, you know, blah, blah. You know, you, 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 you couldn't let it get to that point, And you did. And, you and did. ultimately, that's that's what did you in for sure. That's that's why, like I say, you know, see you later, Klyovkov. Hardly knew you. Don't really care about you. Good luck in your future adventures. I I don't really care. And I and I do tag some of the the fault on him. But holy cow, there's a lot of people that failed. Yep. I cannot believe. I I still can't believe that when that announcement came down. Presidents and athletic directors stood on the platform of we didn't know. Yeah. We didn't know. Don't, don't buy it for a second. And because I, I'll tell you this, when I sat down with Larry or, or my buddy and I said, hey, dude, now do you see? Oh, man, I do. Like, I understand. I, yeah, it made sense. I just guess I just didn't. I guess I didn't believe that she would actually do it. And it's like, man, we told you. How long do we tell you? It was obvious. Every one of his friends saw it. He just didn't. Yeah. Hands and Scotty, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Uh, coming up next, what you may have missed. It's all straight ahead right here on The Zone. Ladies and gentlemen, may I present? This is JJ and Alex. Brett McMurphy, Action Network. And Brett does a phenomenal job covering college football. We're glad to have him on the program. Brett, thanks for being with us again. In my bold projections, the Big 12 champ, I have them seated fourth in my college football playoff bowl projections. And that Big 12 champ that I have seated fourth is none other than your Utah Utes. And look, before everyone, you know, runs, starts calling Mark Harlan for, for uh, playoff tickets, <laughs> uh, keep this in mind. Last year, my dark horse to win the Big 12 Texas Tech. 
Catch JJ and Alex afternoons from 3 to 6. Presented by G2G Bars on 97.5 The KSL Sports Zone. Part of the show. Every moment of every show is available in podcast form by searching Hanson Scotty on your favorite podcasting platform or online at kslsports.com. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Hanson Scotty, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Happy Friday. Weekend is almost here. All-Star Weekend. As, uh, yep, the All-Star Weekend is here. And uh, I don't know, man. It used to be such a big event when I was growing up. I loved watching it. I'd watch the three-point shootout. I'd watch the dunk contest. I'd be glued to my TV as a kid. And I'm telling you, Hans, if it wasn't for the job, I don't know how much I'd be dialed in. I I just I have a hard time with it sometimes. Uh, we if it's not here in the state of Utah, I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. And Scotty yeah. and I try to be as honest as we can, and yeah, I'm I'm with you. I have zero interest. Um, I the only thing that could maybe bring this boy to the yard is the three point shooting contest. It used to be the dunk contest, but nobody with any name value even tries anymore. And no. now you just get these dumb attempts and all of these gimmicky setups and it's just it's just lame you know the last dunk contest that i can remember actually being interested in was probably maybe dwight howard maybe the blake griffin era right right in that range and ever since even with jeremy evans i'm like i I don't want to see him jumping over I mean, a picture that it's he still drew just Jer- of himself. It's just still Jeremy Evans. I mean, look, I mean, it's it's like, okay, yeah. here's a guy who's playing, you know, seven minutes a game for the Jazz. You know, big deal. Like, it's just that dude should not be in the dunk contest. He just shouldn't. And I said it then. It took a lot of heat for it then, and I still believe it. It's just like, what what's, what's this guy doing here? Yeah, and – and so I can't, I can't really get excited about it. I'm not drawn to it. But what I can speak on is the excitement that it brings to a community because when it was here, I think all of us enjoyed every single day we had an opportunity to cover it and get out to the events and hang around with our listeners and hang around with the jazz fans and watch the – jazz players that participated in those events watch them in person participating in the event i thought that was pretty cool so indy's about to have a great weekend memorable and the people there i'm sure will love it and communities will benefit from it but as far as tuning into it and being like oh man i gotta see how this rising star goes it doesn't hold any weight for me at all no, no, not one bit, not one bit. And again, it's great for the community. It was awesome when it was here. It was a coup for Utah to get it, and it was fantastic. Loved every second of it. And now that it's not here, eh, don't really care. And again, I'll watch no. it because we have to. 
and we'll spend time talking about it. And it's a it's a big event for the sport. But at the end of the day, I think I speak for a lot of people here in Utah that it just won't really move the meter. I'd be curious, and we'll talk to maybe JJ on Monday or Tuesday, and DJ has access to it. I'm really curious to know what TV ratings are going to look like because I'd be shocked if they were overly good here in Utah. Yeah, I would be too. I might tune in to see Puka Nakua on the Celebrity All-Star Game. That was one of the events that Lloyd and I went to last year, and it was the Guillermo guy that really was the the highlight maybe of the Celebrity Game. Lloyd, is there anybody else you remember from that Celebrity Game that you were like, oh, man, that's great, this is fun? Uh, yeah, well, you, you had that guy from the – and Scotty would know this guy, the guy from the Marvel, the, the Ten Rings, that actor – uh, he was there, but I didn't even know that was him because <laughs> I, I didn't remember his name, to be honest the with ten, you. But the, the Ten Rings, I don't know what that one is. Oh, you haven't seen that? Uh, Shang-Chi, The Ten Rings? Uh-uh. Oh. You haven't seen that one, really? I don't think so. It doesn't ring a bell. Oh. I think you would like it. You should watch that, Scotty. Okay. I uh, Look, you know I like Marvel. Yeah, I, just, I know. I maybe think I have like seen it. it, and I don't remember. There's so many of you them You would now. know. You would know The Ten Rings. Um, and, But outside of that, I, like there wasn't a lot of there wasn't a lot of flesh. Yeah, it it wasn't. So, but but Puka Nakua is going to be out there as one of the celebrities in the Celebrity All-Star Game. So, you know, he's a bolt of lightning. He's a cup of fun. So maybe I'll tune in and watch a little bit of Puka. Get a a cup of a cup of Puka. <laughs> cup of fun. Dude, dude better just be shooting threes. Stay out. Don't play any defense. Don't be dunking it. You don't want to. You don't want to wreck that knee. <laughs> By the way, Colton. I know, tweets man. In. If I'm his coach, I'm like, come on, no, we're not doing this. Yeah, uh, Colton tweets in. Can we get at least three or four metador, met, metaphors a day from hands? Hey, I'm all for. It. We've never limited you on metaphors or analogies. Uh, I do remember a few years back. I can't remember if it was you or Lloyd. After a show, I had gotten a little bit wild because you know I love my metaphor. I love my comparisons. I love them. And I'd gotten a little bit off, off track, and and I can't remember which one of you said. Hey, can we limit those? And I was like, Yeah, you bet. So it I must tried. have been Lloyd, because I think that horse needs to run. You go crazy. Yeah, we call them what? Henologies. 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 <laughs> a cup of puka. Go get yourself uh, a cup of puka. Uh, Hans and Scotty, uh, I'm here in Fort Collins, uh, Utah State playing Colorado State tomorrow. Hans, you're down at the uh, Conservation Hunter Expo going on right now. All kinds of fun stuff going down there. Well, it is. It's really cool. The Western Hunting and Conservation Expo at the Salt Palace in downtown Salt Lake City. Come on down and, and see us. I, I will give you just a couple of tips. Give yourself a little extra time for parking because there's a few events going on downtown here and parking is a little bit crazy and a little bit limited so give yourself a little extra time but come down and see what they've got to offer every new gun every new bow every new arrow that you could imagine if you're looking for a certain kind of scope or maybe you're looking for that padding on the back end of your rifle to shoot with or some type of carrying strap, backpacks. Maybe you're looking for, uh, as Scotty mentioned, you got guides down here, all kinds of guides and booths. So you're looking for an Alaskan hunt. 
you want to go take down a big caribou. Well, you come out here and they've got Alaskan guides that can get you on the right planes and get you on the right animals and make sure that you come away with a lot of success. I'm actually looking down at some of the booths from the upper deck that we're in here, Scotty, and I can see Jake's uh, Salmon Camp for Alaska. It's a guide service that takes you up into Alaska, and it'll set you up on some great salmon runs. Uh, I'm also looking at the paparazzi fur. So if you're interested in wearing fox furs around your neck, paparazzi fur down here, they can put a fox fur on you, make you look real sophisticated. And then they've got uh, wildlife artists. So all kinds of wildlife paintings. I actually might go. Now, that is something that I would buy. Beautiful wildlife paintings, elk, bison, all kinds of stuff. So it's really cool thing, Scotty. Yeah, get on down there, hang out. Hans is there. We'll have all kinds of fun, for, uh, all kinds of goodies for you. And uh, you're outside the paint area, too, so people can just stop by, hang out with you, and then decide if they want to get in there and uh, see what else is going on. So a lot of great opportunities down at the uh, Salt Palace. Go down, check it out. It's all right here on 97.5 DKSL Sports Zone. You're locked on to Hans Olsen and Scotty Chick. Chick, Chick. That's right, yeah. On 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Yeah, this is a story of famous dog. For the dog that chases its tail, we'll be busy. Hans and Scotty, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Kicking off your Is weekend. Is this the theme music to... Oh, I thought it was the and, theme song to Seinfeld. <laughs> what? No. George, George Clinton and the Parliament Funkadelic. <laughs> what? Stop making things up. Lloyd? Nope, he is spot on. Man, if your your hips are not moving back and forth, you got problems. I can actually see how you went Seinfeld there, actually. I can, I can actually see that. You've never heard George Clinton before? No. I, well, I've, I, I've heard that song a time or two. I've heard that song a time or two. I but I really did think it was the Seinfeld opening when it when it first started. Yeah, I uh, I I could see uh I could see you back in the day in the uh Omni or wherever it was you were hanging out jamming to this a little bit. Yeah, it still moves me. It still does. Hey, uh did you tease who's going to be joining us as a special guest a little bit later? I have not yet. Uh, we're on the road here with Utah State, and Isaac Johnson is going to stop by and throw on a headset at 2.30. So we'll chat with him. He Would had some you... key moments there in that game against Wyoming. Is he still rocking a mustache? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, we need to get the uh, Instagram flowing a little bit and let people see the specimen that Isaac Johnson is at nearly seven feet tall. He is a mountain of a man. Stretches a little bit. I actually loved watching him. I, in fact, 
Who did, when I called, who was one of the first guys I asked you all about? Isaac Johnson. That's right. I, I like his game. He does a lot of good things. So excited his to catch up with him. Brother of Spencer Johnson, who's playing really well at BYU, American Fort grad. But I will say, Hans, he does have ties to your neck of the woods there. Uh, I, and I forget the name of the city. He, he'll tell you um, that he was born in, uh, but it's, uh, it's just outside of Weezer. So uh, you guys... You guys can go down. He, I believe he has a sister that won her division in the uh, Fiddle Festival there at Weezer. Oh, so. This is going to be a great conversation with IJ. IJ. Well. <laughs> oh, you guys. I can't tell you well, guys anything. <laughs> time to catch up with our boy Key. Keontae George uh, has a uh, – you know, he's in the Rising Star Challenge, and uh, Jake and Ben were able to sit down and chat with him earlier in the week, talking about his rookie season, everything that's been going on, All-Star Weekend, and how crazy it's been here to start the uh, what, what this rookie season, trying to bring it all in and trying to figure out what it's like being a rookie in the NBA. Man, it's, it's good. I, like I said, man, it's just a, it's, it's a big time blessing. Um, 82 games is a lot of games, uh, you know, proportion enough to make it to the postseason. Um, then there'll be even more games. So I mean, we're, you know, halfway th- or a little bit over halfway through the season. And you know, I always talk about, you know, I got a, a whole another college season um, left. So it's just like, you know, so many games. The per- from preparation to how to take care of your body to you know the mental preparation. So I mean, 82 is a lot. Um, you know we. You know, you don't have practice on your off days or you may get a rest day, but it's just, you know, for, you know, almost half a year, your whole life is basketball. So you really got to love the game. Um, so, uh, I mean, I love it, though. Basketball every day, you can't complain at all. So I'm continuing to enjoy the journey um, and, and figure out ways to, you know, better my routine. Tough back-to-back losses, Keontae. And then you've got the All-Star break coming up, and it's post-trade deadline. This is a hard time of the year for teams. Where is the team mentally after this last week? Mentally, we're we're phenomenal. Um, we're coming together um, each and every day. We're as tight as we've been. I feel like, um, you know, the vibes are, 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 are still high. Uh, we still understand that we're, we're still a winning team. Um, we could be a winning team. We can... You know, we've, we strung wins together, um, you know, early in the year. So we just got to continue to know that we did that. We can't let these two losses, um, you know, take us off our path of where we want to be. Um, but, yeah, man, I mean, we're, we're – our togetherness is, is, is where we want it to be um, from the staff to the players to, you know, everybody, you know, around this, uh, you know, great organization. So um, we're just trying to continue to feed off that. Um, and we'll, we'll definitely pick it up for sure. The schedule makers were not very nice to you, giving your first uh, your game back in the starting lineup against was against Steph Curry. You know, just a, just an easy assignment with him. But what's uh, tell us about getting back into that role on the team and how you're approaching it? Um, I'm I'm, I'm still approaching approaching the game um, the same way I did. Uh, you know, when I was whether I was starting, come off the bench, uh, I was preparing. You know, like 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 a starter. So I know when I went into the game. Um, I knew how guys were in pick and roll. I knew what they were doing off ball. Um, you know, it's just, you know, of course there's a difference between starting a game and coming off the bench. Um, but for me, it was just about how can I be effective 
um, in the role that I that I'm put in. So when it's me coming off the bench, I'm you know I'm locked into the game. I'm seeing how they guard and pick and roll, and you know through film. I'm watching the second unit. I'm trying to see um, you know how that second unit big is going to guard. Um, so I'm in the game. I already got that mental note of, of what I want to do, and um, you know when I get get in the game. Uh, but I mean, you know, it's it's great. It's great to, you know, be the starting point guard and for a great organization and like I said before, uh, you know, not a lot of people get this opportunity. So I'm never gonna take it for granted. I'm gonna continue to work my tail off, continue to trust um, you know, Will and you know, his staff, continue to trust my teammates and continue to work, um, to to gain the trust of the older guys and um, you know, the guys that I'm playing with, so uh, it's a great journey. It's, um, of course, it comes with some adversity, um, but, you know, I love it. Um, so just continuing to grow uh, more and more into my role. Friday night, you're in the Star, the Rising Stars Challenge. Are you hanging out in Indiana Saturday and Sunday and taking in the rest of the All-Star weekend? Uh, we'll, we'll see where uh, the weekend takes me. But uh, um, if opportunity comes my way to, you know, stay and, you know, show my face and, um, you know, that's ultimately a blessing. So, uh, but definitely going to be looking forward to, you know, being around, you know, you know great caliber players, um, just like myself. Uh, even, even you know, maybe get a chance to, you know, talk to the guys that uh, made All-Star just to maybe get a chance to pick their brain, ask questions. Um, that's what I'm all about. So, um, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a fun, fun weekend. Um. Coming from Baylor, you are familiar with good coaching that uh, Drew family seems to know what they're doing. Uh, what's your take on Will Hardy this season? What kind of coach he is and maybe uh, some similarities or differences or how you uh, you two and your relationship? Uh, I mean, you know, Will is considered, you know, young. Uh, but, I mean, man, he's, he's locked in on all levels. He's intense. He'll tell you straight to your face how it is. Man. I mean, you know, off the court, loving man. I mean, carries himself the right way. Carries himself like a professional. Um, can learn a lot from him. Um, just sitting down and talk to him for five minutes, you can learn something new. Um, you know, I would say the similarities is, of course, the intensity. Um, they both pay attention to details. Um, so, I mean, Will is everything that you want in a head coach. Instills confidence in you. <laughs> will trust you if you continue to put in the work um you know he'll 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 ride for you so um you know this is you know talk about coach drew and everybody um he those are the same type of attributes so i mean i couldn't ask for more Keontae, you were down in provo yesterday with uh taylor and ryan smith taking in the byu game what were your takeaways and what was that experience like uh, it was cool. Um, I'll be back there on the 20th when they play my guys. But, uh, uh, you know, the atmosphere was phenomenal um, from the, the student section, all the fans. Um, they're locked into the game. Um, it was a great game. Uh, BYU came out came out with the win. Um, UCF, uh, great team. They play hard. Um, looks like a team that'll do, you know, whatever it takes to win. Same with BYU to having a, a great year this year, um, especially coming to the 12, one of the toughest conferences to college basketball. Um, so it'll be fun to see where they end up at. And I'm very excited for this BYU-Baylor game coming up. <laughs> there he is. 
That is Keontae George hanging out with Jake and Ben. That was the uh, after the uh, BYU Central Florida game a little earlier in the week. But um, you know, I have no. We're doing well, Key. Oh, wait. <laughs> uh, they call him Florida Key. What's up, Key? <laughs> yeah, I have no. We're doing well, Key. They, they call him Skeleton Key. Oh, because boy. he unlocks all the doors. All the doors are unlocked with that key. <laughs> hey, this is on Sarah. Sarah and Jake should have give should have give Ben the business for this. Oh, they should have. They call him Key to Success because he's bringing success to the Utah Jazz. Yeah, I am Nora. We're doing well, Key. <laughs> See, you know, Lloyd. With, they call him Keyhole because he can get see, through any double team. This is what you did, Lloyd. Here, and now we're going to have problems, and then we're going to have a 400 South situation. This is how it starts, man. I know, because then Ben comes on and he goes too far. Yeah, Ben. Uh, ben yeah, and then Ben's he gonna attack my you. wife. I know he's yeah. a, he is an assassin. I, I I'll yeah. give him that. He brought my wife into it, and I was like, "Jeez, man!" Like, yeah, fine, come after me, but he went after my family, and it's like, "Jeez, now we're going to throw fists." He called and your wife both- a gold digger. Yeah. <laughs> Straight up, said a man's a gold digger, which, which, which is actually kind of funny when you think of it because I'm broke, eh? And, I mean, if if a man is trying to dig gold out of this body, she's going to have to dig for a lot of years. Oh, man. Yeah, Lloyd, uh, you're, hey, you're cruising towards a meeting right there, buddy. By the way, Ben, if you're listening... This is all Lloyd's fault. I have nothing, yeah, we to, had do nothing to do with it. Nope, nope. Right. No, you didn't sir. tell me to pull that. Sure. Fine. <laughs> oh, okay. No. Oh, okay. Now you're now you're just Lloyd. Lying. Okay, I've got the great and almighty Oz on the headset. Sean is the king of all techs. And he was on the headset. Oh, he Sean's not even paying attention. What are you talking about? Oh, are you kidding now me? don't despair. Sean's our best tech, man. You be careful our about that. Number one tech, one of my best friends in the whole world. Stop trying to make and... people lie for you. Knock it off. Because <laughs> that's what people do. when they With you, they'll do anything for you. They will help you uh, hide the bodies. I'm just telling you, bro. If you want to bring this to litigation, I got Vistaviano right here. I got the I got the person that heard it all go down. So don't don't try to bring me into any issues with Ben because then he yep. gets after my family and that makes me want to hurt him really bad. Yeah, and and we we can't have that in the office place. That's oh. not good for business, especially because I love him. Yeah, he's he's the best. All right, Hans and Scotty, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Coming up next, the good, the bad, the ugly. But, Hans, you are down at the uh, Salt Palace. There's all kinds of great stuff going on down there. Whether you're an outdoorsman, hunter, fisherman, fisherman, whatever you want, you got it there. Well, if you're into conservation, too, like Scotty and I, that's what they really uphold here. That's why they call it the Western Hunting and Conservation Expo because – these animals need protection. And the other thing that I really love about this expo, Scotty, because there's things that I really love and there's things I'm not as interested in. But the thing I really love, when you really get into hunting, and you and I grew up around hunters and we kind of know this, this part of it. When you really get into hunting, if you do it the right way, you're actually more of an activist than you are a detractor. 
and that's what I really love about some of the depth of hunting. But if you're out there just thinking, oh, you're going to get a gun and go shoot a couple of things, and you end up gutting a deer and it runs around injured for the next four months, I don't like you. So really, if you're into hunting, come down and learn everything about it. Really get into it. Understand what these true hunters are all about because they're about conservation. They know that when they buy a tag, and, Scotty, I see some of the dollar signs on these tags that go in for these elk hunts, and we're talking about six-figure tags that some of these uh, uh, hunters will put in, that money goes into the protection and the conservation of the animals in our state. And that's why I love and support this expo, because those animals need that protection, because you got a bunch of morons, a bunch of idiots running around the mountainsides not knowing how to act. And so you got to have people that stand between those idiots and our beautiful wildlife. And, and so I do. I love coming down and, and celebrating this and, and supporting it. And I know when I buy a fishing license, I know that a portion of that goes to the conservation and the protection of the fish in the streams and the lakes. And, you know, I always try to be a responsible fisherman. I don't hunt as much. I'll go out and shoot a couple of birds from time to time. But I'm just telling you, they teach you how to be a proper hunter, a proper outdoorsman, a proper fisherman at these expos. And and that's what I really love to embrace and why I love to be a part of this. Get down there, take the family. It's a great event. Uh, I want you to be a part of it. So stop by and say hi. It's all right here on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. This is Jake Scott and Ben Anderson. Have you seen the reports that uh, continue to trickle out that San Francisco really had no idea about the rule change in overtime? That's the coach's job. You got to make sure your players understand time, situation, etc. Do you think when the Niners said receive, Andy Reid was like, got him? That's I'm sure what Andy was thinking. Like, okay, they made a mistake. The strategy towards receiving first, because there is some, you can't win the game with a single score in overtime with the new overtime rules. So Getting the ball third, technically, is really where the advantage is. So that, if you want to excuse the 49ers, would be the reason they did it, but they didn't know that. I think the Niners totally blew that Super Bowl. I think they just absolutely gift-wrapped it and handed it to the Chiefs. And I have no clue how Shanahan uh, still has a gig. Hear Jake Scott and Ben Anderson every day from 10 to noon on 97.5 the KSL Sports Zone. Scotty 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. It is time for your good, your bad, and your ugly. What's uh, Lloyd? No, that's 2.30. We have him. So uh, let's fire it up. Let's, uh, let's get to the good. It's time to saddle up and talk about the winners and the losers. This is the good the bad and the ugly now here's the good all right good the bad the ugly brought to you by rgs exteriors and construction obsessed with quality results hands big night for caitlin clark let's start with the good 
Well, Caitlin Clark is a superstar. She is the biggest thing in women's basketball. And I just want to hit that fast-forward button that you got, Scotty, and take us to the finals of the NCAA tournament to see her and Angel Reese go head-to-head again because that was as much drama, as much excitement, and interest as I've ever had in women's basketball. And it took two gigantic personalities that know exactly who they are and what they're all about. And I love that rivalry, and they'll always be tied together. But... Caitlin Clark went and grabbed the all-time scoring record for women's basketball in the NCAA ranks. She was able to break Kelsey Plum's record of 3,527 points, and she did it with a half-court shot, Scotty, essentially. It was like a step past half-court, and she sank a three on her way to scoring 49 points against Michigan. Not only did she come out with the win against Michigan, not only did she come out with the all-time NCAA scoring record, but she came out of that thing with 49 points. And all I want to do is see Caitlin Clark versus Angel Reese in a big-time, prime-time matchup of the Women's NCAA Tournament 2024, man. Fast-forward me there because cause th- that is just pure gold and pure excitement and and let me tell you what i love and let me tell you what i hate i hate the fact that our country tried to draw any race interest into that matchup it is complete stupidity and i don't know why our country has to do that because it was not about that to them and the whole thing all the theatrics caitlin clark doing the i can't see you invisible face and angel reese pointing at the ring finger and all of that that comes from a competitor's vibe and we know that because afterwards caitlin clark was like i don't i'm not worried about any trash talk i don't no i'm not i don't have any ill will i think she's a true blood competitor and how about this angel reese retweeting the record and she said congratulations to caitlin clark keep breaking records and making a her story these are two amazing athletes two amazing women and i cannot wait to see them in a rematch scotty national championship game let's go and ratings for that'll be through the roof too it's it's great it's great for women's sports i mean it really is that's that's the stuff that's really gonna propel women's sports our personalities rivalries competitiveness um and stories like that i mean caitlin clark is must watch tv i mean she is like you have to watch her you have to watch because of her ability to hit shots from all over the court her the swagger the excitement everything she brings to the table it's going to be absolutely phenomenal to watch and she has a chance to really you know when she makes the jump to the WNBA, really revitalize the WNBA as well man i don't want to get on my high horse right now but I, I kind of feel like I want to get on my high horse. Well, let's um, roll, baby. It's a Friday. Let's go. Yeah, you know, I, I want to make a point of this because I do think that women's sports deserves a lot more interest numbers and eyeballs than it gets. And it feels like there's this weird double standard. For instance, okay, we get a a Conor McGregor, and he becomes the biggest thing in fighting, even though he wasn't the best fighter because of his arrogance, his ego, his swagger, and his quick tongue. You know, you you get the athletes in the NBA that they, they build themselves into individuals, 
and they are these egos, but they are these larger-than-life personalities that we praise, and we buy their jerseys, and we watch. And sometimes it feels like in women's sports, when women start getting a little bit vocal and they start getting a little theatrical, we don't take it the same way men do it. But the problem is women's sports needs more of it, and it needs more support when it happens because Caitlin Clark brings people to the TV sets because she can shoot the ball like nobody's done in women's sports, and she's a character. She brings ego. She brings yep. swagger. I, I don't like how she bumped into the fan and went down to the court and was all kinds of acting and crazy about it. But guess what it did? It kept Caitlin Clark top of the topic. And I thought about it after I gave my, my two cents on it. It bugged me how she bumped into the fan and went down and threw her arms up, and I, and I was kind of bugged about it. And then I thought about it after the show, and I'm like, screw that. I'm not bugged. And that makes me more interested about Caitlin Clark. It makes the games more entertaining. And I had to stop and think, well, why do I got a double standard on that? What is that? You got to stop that. Like women that have that, they got that swagger. That's what brings us to go check it out. You know, you, you think about the world's greatest volleyball players that come through the Olympics. There's a reason that Carrie Walsh was a draw. She was spectacular, but she was a character. She was all kinds of energy, but she was also a baller. And I just think women's sports needs more of that to bring us to the set and realize, holy cow, man, these girls can absolutely game it up. They can shoot. They can ball. And that's why that game between Angel Reese and Caitlin Clark is one of my favorite, not men and women's. It's one of my favorite overall college basketball games I've watched because you had two gigantic personalities going back and forth and and that's what i want again and as much as women's sports can do that scotty it's it's the better for our show and it's the better for people out there in the world looking for sports entertainment yep i agreed all right there's your good let's get to the bad now the bad well, the road woes continue for the University of Utah, dropping another Pac-12 game, um, this time to USC. And USC is not a particularly good team either. 10 and 15, that's only the fourth win for the Trojans in Pac-12 play. They improved to 4 and 10. Utes fall to 6 and 8 and 15 and 10 overall. But uh, Utah loses that game 68 to 64, down five at the break, unable to make, uh, make up the difference in the second half. As uh, Brandon Carlson ends up with 15, Smith with 19, but in the end, just not enough as USC able to hold on and get the road victory or the home victory. And and again, uh, this Utah team just can't seem to find a way to get W's. And this uh, this late se- or this you know mid to late season slide by Utah, they've got to find a way to right the ship if they want to stay in conversation for an at large spot in the uh, NCAA tournament. Oh yeah, it's. It's tough sliding right now, man. It's yep. they're one and four through the last five games. They're one and four, and I would say out of those losses, you know, your loss at home to Arizona State probably one of the more brutal. But you were hoping to find yourself again, get out on the road, see if you could get that win against USC, and you're unable to do it. And you know, it's a bummer. I, I was hoping Craig Smith had found something, and I was hoping that this team could kind of come around, and I I was putting a lot on 
David Smith. I was hoping that Smith could continue to shoot the lights out and distribute and find teammates and be the leader that you know that he can be coming off that that crazy situation that he had to deal with just to get eligibility and yeah for some reason this team is not able to get over the hump 68 64 loss to usc uh and that's a 10 and 15 usc team that's i know we you know, you hear us say oh it's a loss to usc and people are like oh well that's okay no nope. no 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 this usc team uh just about a month ago went on a six-game losing streak. So it's not a good USC team. No, it's a uh, it's a rough situation for sure. And But, you know, it's not without – you look at – you know, and I keep tabs on all the bracketologies out there and everything else that's going on, and uh, and, you, and Utah's still in the mix in all of them. Their, their computer numbers are good. There's still a lot of opportunities there, and you look at uh, their upcoming schedule and, and what's available to them. Um, you know, they're currently on a three-game losing skid, Arizona, Arizona State, USC. Uh, they will play at UCLA coming up on Sunday, uh, but they've got a stretch with Colorado, Stanford, Cal, Oregon State, and Oregon to end the season. They're going to need to win at least, I'd say, four out of six out of those. That gets you to 500 in Pac-12 play, if you can finish off the season at four and six, or not four and six, four and two in those final six games, if you're able to pull that off, then I think you're in the NCAA tournament. But oh, really? I, I think so. And they'll be favored in four out of those six games. Uh, but ten and ten in conference play, nineteen and twelve overall uh-huh. to finish the season. Let's say you pick up a win in the conference tournament, get to the semis. I think they're probably okay because their computer numbers are really good. Um, but they've got to finish the season strong. There, there's certainly no doubt about it. But, but Scotty, you feel four and two could get him there. Uh, I do. I do. Okay. Just look, looking at the metrics and things like well, that. Well, that's very possible. Yeah. You know, they, that UCLA game's huge on Sunday. They've got to beat UCLA on the road. Yeah. They absolutely have to. They're going to be favored. They should win. They already dump trucked UCLA earlier this year. They've got to beat the Trojans. Uh, if they don't, then their back's against it for sure. All right. Um, Lloyd, do we have time for the ugly, or should we move it to uh, later in the show? Your call. Let's get to it. And, of course, the ugly. Yeah, this one is really ugly, and, and the NHL has some of the worst injuries, I think, in, in the world of sports, as we recently saw in the world of hockey, where somebody passed away taking a skate to the throat. You know, Scotty, I know you've felt those NHL pucks, those hockey pucks, how hard they are. They're just a compacted rubber, and they are frozen, and they've got sharp edge, and they're solid, and they do so much damage when they hit. There's a superstar center. He plays for Colorado. His name's Nathan McKinnon, and he is one of those tough dudes that you'll see on the ice. Somebody threw a slap shot across the skate, and it kind of... It, it deflected off the skate and straight up towards his face. And he wears a shield, and that shield covers about nose length. But his head was up just slightly. And the way that puck deflected off the skate and its trajectory went right under the shield and hit him right across the nose, broke, d- destroyed his nose, bleeding everywhere. Nathan McKinnon skates off the ice. He's out for – this happened in the second. 
He's out for a short time. He comes out to finish this game. That's how tough these dudes are. His nose is destroyed, bleeding all over the place. Takes a puck, a hard puck to the face, and still makes it back on the ice, Scotty. The, the NHL is just a different breed of human. Oh, my gosh, yeah. They, they are the toughest dudes on the planet. If you were to line up toughest athletes, I would say, uh, and we had a chance to talk to one a couple of weeks ago, bull riders, number one, hockey players, number two. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I would, uh, yeah, if you, you know, if you go, man, I would say bull riders and UFC fighters and then hockey players right there. I don't know. Maybe hockey, maybe your tougher hockey dudes probably sit right there with the bull fighters and, and UFC fighters or yeah. the bull riders and UFC fighters. And then you have uh, about, uh, what's the line from uh, Moneyball? About 50 miles of crap, and then you have NBA players. <laughs> And I love NBA players. I mean, they're the, the well most talented people on the planet, but tough, eh, not so much. Uh, watching Draymond Green the other night. Lay on lay the court on. for like four oh possessions. They haven't his been tough teammates, since the 90s. His own teammates were dribbling around him, looking down at him like, you going to get up at any point here, dude? Are we going to do anything here? What are we doing? <laughs> he just laid there. Meanwhile, McKinnon is taking a, a frozen solid puck off a slap shot deflection into his nose. Blood everywhere, and he's up off the ice and skating towards the locker room to get stitches and come back. Oh, hands and Scotty. Uh, Whole World News next, 97.5 DKSL Sports Zone. You need to see this Jazz team up close and in person. Oh, that was filthy! Listen all day, every Tuesday, for your chance to win Jazz tickets. As The Zone will give away Jazz tickets at 30 past the hour, every hour, all day long. It's Jazz Ticket Tuesday. Every Tuesday, all season long, presented by UCCU. Love where you bang. And on your exclusive home of the Utah Jazz. 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. It's time to span the globe for the hard-hitting news you care about. Well, not really. But hey, at least we found it interesting. This is Whole World News on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. We've got got the the whole world in our hands. Hands and Scotty, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. I don't know what to say, Hans. That was not okay. Well, I'm okay with it now because I am I feel like I'm going to be able to keep most of my ear. So. Lloyd's calling Joke you away. Van, Van Gogh during the break. Joke away. Hey, honestly, though, what... I know because we can make a little more light of it because my ear is taking a turn for the better. I did lose a, a piece of the bottom of it, but I'm not going to lose my whole lobe. But we did talk about it. What would you rather lose, a couple of toes or the bulk of your ear? Because you can hide your toes. Yeah, it's going to hurt you on your balance a little bit, but you can't really hide a deformed ear. And it's crazy how much deformed ears stand out in crowds. Oh, I don't think it stands out. So you are more like, like 
I think you're a little bit, and Lloyd, maybe you jump in on this. Well, not no, no, not superficial. Like, like, like we'll be talking to somebody, and then they'll walk away, and then you, you'll be like, "Hey, did you see that weird thumb that guy had?" And I'm like, "No, I didn't see the weird thumb." But like, you are very cognizant of weird little things like that, and I don't really. I guess maybe I just I'm not as perceptive on that stuff as you are, and maybe I'm. I'm outside the norm on that. Maybe other people like, wow, that elbow of his is really pointy. And I'm like, I didn't even pay attention to his elbow. I didn't even see it. So, like, I mean, there was a guy that a good friend of ours that was dating a girl that you told him to dump her because she had weird thumbs. And um, and and uh, I I did not notice that at all. And so I think that I don't think people pay as much attention to earlobes as you think they would. And yet a snaggle tooth does it for you. So I don't yeah, know. I do. I, I do like a crooked tooth on a woman. Um, I do. I like a tooth that goes sideways across the front teeth. Uh, like I think a that was Jewel I mean, 1990s. yeah, I mean, I think that was based on that. I was meant for you and you were meant for me video that changed all of our lives when we well, were the, in there, our teenage there were a couple. years. Uh, do you remember when we were growing up? Um, I, I don't remember. You remember who's the boss? I, I had yeah. a big crush on Sam. And she I, I would have taken you as more of a Mona guy, but that's all right. <laughs> uh, uh, I was 12. I, I still did have the hots for Angela, but uh, Sam was kind of in my age group. She had crooked teeth, and I, I kind of liked that back in the day. But, but speaking of it, Scotty, so that's what my real dilemma is. I might be able to get away with a, a really dysfunctional, awkward-looking ear but when you tag team that with my short baby teeth all of a sudden i become a freak and it's just better i stay inside than come outside how, how much were you worried about losing your earlobe and then having to do the you preview show with frank next fall <laughs> <laughs> frank would have never let me i i would have done it remotely well after what you've I, said about his ankles i you know i don't blame him <laughs> Uh, what did I? What have I said? I haven't said nothing about his ankles. You boy. said he looks. He looks like uh, the writer from Misery. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you said you, you said he looked like he's been hobbled. He does yeah. actually. It's his ankles are. But horrible. no, I would much rather lose a bit of my earlobe than lose toes because learning how to rewalk and and you know you know trying to. Uh, you know, you guys would be calling me hop along if I was trying to walk with with less toes. Like I would rather lose the earlobe than uh, than, than uh, try to figure out how to manage walking around without several toes. That's, hey, that's no good. Hey, Scotty, uh, really quick in whole world news. I, I wanted to throw this at you because you're a traveler. You're in an airplane a lot. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm just going to kind of paint the picture because this happened on a Delta flight to the beginning of this week. So this Delta flight is just getting started on an eight-hour uh, eight flight from Amsterdam to Detroit, Michigan. And as it was taking off, it was about an hour into the flight. And in this particular row, maggots started to fall out of the carry-on compartment up above. Maggots oh. started to fall out of it and fell on this lady's head and then fell on this other lady's head and and so they stood up obviously and they were like oh my gosh maggots 
and then the maggots fell on the seats, and everybody saw oh. the maggots squirming on the seats. Well, they started to really freak out. The maggots on a plane got them all kinds of worried, and so they freaked out. Well, the flight attendants told the pilot. The pilot turned around. Good. He turned it around. Yeah, well, it could back be worse. It could have been snakes on a plane. Yeah, well, I don't know, man. What would you rather have fall on your head? I guess. Well, what, t- what what kind of snakes? I mean, if it was snakes that were on the snakes on a plane that'll kill you, then yeah, give me the maggots. But but man, having maggots dropping off the uh, overhead compartment onto you, oh, geez, that's that's rough, man. Okay, so my question for you, Scotty, is. What could Delta do to make it right for you? And I'll tell you what they did for the uh, all of the uh, people on the flight, not just the lady that had the maggots fall on her head, but what would it take for Delta to make that right for you where you didn't put up some nasty review? Uh, I, well, I okay. Is it really Delta's fault, though? Like, I would want my ticket refunded um and uh maybe a uh, a pass for some free airline uh for a free future flight i but i don't really like if it was if it was they were storing food overhead that they were serving later and it had maggots in it then yeah delta needs to pay and pay out big but this is more on the guy than it is delta right yeah so the what what actually happened was this guy got on and in his luggage he had some rotten fish that had maggots in it and the maggots were working their way out of the rotten fish and, and found their way out of the compartment. That's that's where they came from. So it was a it was a person on the flight. And by the way, he's being charged. Good. He's in he's in a lot of trouble for putting rotted fish in his carry on. Um and causing this whole plane to turn around. So this was the compensation. They gave every one of the travelers 8,000 air miles. They gave them hotel room compensation and a $30 meal ticket. What? How Is 8,000 air miles, can you get a ticket off that? How many is, no, that? is that? No, 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 you cannot. 8,000 is nothing. Um, no, that's that, that does very little. I uh, Let's just say um, I, uh, I used to get a and this was not first class it wasn't uh it wasn't even comfort plus uh i took uh, my wife and i on a trip and i had to use about ninety thousand air miles jeez so yeah Ooh. no air miles don't go very far these days so eight thousand is nothing that is okay. that i would i would say if you're gonna do that give them at least fifty thousand the hotel room and and, uh, and the meal ticket's a little cheap too. I mean, come on, thirty bucks gets you nothing these days. So, yep. yeah, that's that's a little ridiculous. I, I would bump that up a little bit. They can hand out air miles like it's candy. That's not a big deal. Yeah, but, I felt like they fell short. Yep. Hands and Scotty, ninety-seven-five DKSL Sports Zone. It has to do with the outdoors, hunting, fishing, hiking, camping, whatever the case might be. Hands has got you covered down uh, right now. Hands, all kinds of fun stuff going on. Yeah, the Western Hunting and Conservation Expo, it is a blast. And it's just got everything that you could ever imagine. And by the way, Scotty, you and I have been coming to this for the 10 years we've been doing this show. Oh, yeah. And I started coming back when I was playing football, actually. And that's where I met Carl Malone for the very first time out here back in 1998 or 99. Carl used to hang out at these things. and And... I have always been a fan of this expo. I am not a big game hunter. 
I am a fisherman. I do hunt maybe a little bit of bird here and there. But what I love about this is it teaches everyone, it educates everyone on proper hunting, proper hunting techniques, hunting styles, expectations of hunters. Because if you're out there thinking that you are owed the world and you can just take your gun out and go do whatever you want, man, you are sorely mistaken. This state is well protected. We take care of our wildlife. And this expo and expos like this go to great lengths to ensure that. So that's why I love it. That's why I support these things, because I am such a lover of the outdoors and the beautiful creatures that live in the outdoors. And I want them to be protected. And I I know hunting is hunting. And I know that you have to do it for a certain portion of herd control. I get it. I know all those things. And that's why I love being here and part of this Conservation Act. It is an incredible opportunity to come out and see a bunch of taxidermied animals and the beautiful creatures and wildlife that are all all over our mountains and our hillsides. So come out, enjoy it, bring the kids so they can see the beautiful animals and have fun and get educated. Learn more about proper hunting techniques so that you can ensure you're doing it the right way. Hans and Scotty coming up next. Uh, We'll continue to get you ready for your NBA All-Star Weekend. 2.30, we'll chat with uh, Isaac Johnson from the Utah State basketball team and uh, get you ready for J.J. and Alex coming up at 3. It's right here on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Number one. Miss any part of the show? Every moment of every show is available in podcast form by searching Hans and Scotty on your favorite podcasting platform or online at kslsports.com. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Something wrong here, there can be no denying. One of us is changing, or maybe we just stop trying. And it's too late, baby, now it's too late. Though we really did try to. Hanson Scotty, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Hey, never a bad time to talk a little college football. Brian Fisher. National college football writer for Fox Sports, kind enough to hang out with us. Brian, how you doing, man? Hey, Brian. I'm doing doing well. Good to be on with you guys. You think the muscle memory will come back on NCAA football after 10 years when it comes back? <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm sure it will. And I think uh, I, I speak for a lot of folks that uh, certainly grew up in, in a certain era uh, of playing that game religiously. You know, uh, you know, I think every every time after school, anytime you had really any kind of free time, especially during the summers when it came out, like that was uh, kind of your go-to. And I uh, definitely made, uh, you know, a, a lot of my friends pretty mad on that. And I'm sure I'll uh, be doing the same uh, with, with a lot more new friends uh, over the summer. You know, Brian, I, I – uh... Got to play in the NFL for a few years. I was on two editions of the Maddens, and we got, I think it was an $8,000 royalty check for the for the Maddens. And I remember thinking, man, I wish I would have got those for the NCAA ones. I was on four of those. Are they paying these guys? How much money are they paying? And can I get paid for the ones I was on back in the 90s? <laughs> 
you know, I, you might have to uh, to talk with a lawyer on the, on that last one for for sure. And uh, you know, I, I think there there definitely is some progression towards you know paying some of the players to, to be a part of this video game. I, I think the the final form factor of that is still kind of being worked out. You know, EA Sports has um, been in, in in talks, and they've had an agreement with uh, you know one team partners and a few others that are kind of handling the back end so so to speak of of that and you know frankly you know you kind of anticipate a lot of these players kind of opting in uh probably over these next couple of months you know i think now that there's kind of more information about the game uh they can really kind of start down that that road uh with the players themselves it's obviously difficult you know i I think one of the things that has kind of come across you know in in terms of talking with a lot of the folks uh either connected to the game or uh over at one team partners that uh, are kind of handling some of the licensing is that you know what they they have problems you know and just in terms of keeping track with some of the players moving from team to team and these transfer portal windows so like that's something they're still also kind of trying to figure out and so i would anticipate that uh, there will be certain players you know in the game that uh, you're able to play as uh, on on these real life teams and you know what kind of likeness they have that sort of thing is probably still uh, still being worked out and it seems like they're they're at least on the path to that but that's kind of like the, the final piece of the puzzle uh, if you will and, and i don't i don't anticipate it anywhere uh, c- coming close to some of those madden payouts this is probably going to be a couple hundred dollars which will be nice for a lot of those college kids but uh, this is not anywhere near in terms of that kind of big nil payday that uh, i think a lot of people were anticipating when this game uh, was first announced when you look at the demise of the pac-12 and george Golovkov essentially sent packing earlier today the uh, the announcement coming from the conference that they uh, you know it's a mutual decision but uh when you look at the percentage of who is to blame over the last several years how much of that goes to larry scott how much of that goes to the presidents and how much of that goes to george klofkoff well i would say probably 60 percent is is definitely on the presidents like they 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 definitely occupy kind of the the lion's share of mistakes here number one of which is is kind of keeping larry scott around you know far too long than what he should have and um yeah i think uh, there has been you know quite a bit of turnover certainly in terms of that presidential suite level uh, at, at a lot of schools you know a lot of key factors you know that are um you know kind of led the Pac-12 down this road. And I think the president's just kind of taking their eye off the ball in terms of what's happening in college athletics in general, kind of understanding the landscape, uh, especially from, from a media rights standpoint, uh, these last kind of two years or, or, or so as well, like they, that they deserve, you know, kind of the lion's share for sure. Um, not, that's not to say that Larry Scott and George Klyovkov are, are blameless. You know, I, I think they each have uh, a lot of things that, that worked against them during their 10 years. And you know, look, the, the fact of the matter is this happened, you know, the breakup at the Pac-12 happened under George Klyovkov's watch. So, uh, you know, he, he definitely uh, has probably a little bit more even than, than I think Larry Scott, just not really understanding the marketplaces that uh, he, he was kind of thrown into being an outsider in college athletics really kind of worked against him. But, uh, I, you know, maybe maybe 15, 20%, but the lion's share of the blame for the Pac-12 breakup is, I think, ultimately falls on, on the presidents themselves. You know, Brian, I cannot believe how quiet they kept this our military needs to study usc and their exit from the pac-12 because i still cannot believe the presidents and athletic directors that i've heard say we knew nothing about it didn't see it coming didn't hear a word didn't know it was going to happen because if they were going to save this as soon as they heard any of the rumblings that usc was going to pull anchor and sell out they needed to make sure that they were taking care of that As you've done research and as you've listened and as all this fallout has played out, have you heard from anybody that said, yeah, we actually did get word on that? Yeah, we 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 did kind of know that was coming or did they really keep it that covert? 
you know, I, I think that was one of probably the biggest mistakes that, that George Kadoff have had, you know, really through, throughout the entire ordeal was just kind of, um, you know, not involving enough people that he probably should have, you know, and I think that definitely rubbed people uh, the, the wrong way. And, and look, I, I understand that a lot of these things, you know, you, you need to keep them in house. You don't, you don't want leaks every, uh, on every kind of move that you make, especially in, in a lot of those negotiation types. But, uh, you know, I, I think there should have been more questions asked uh, by presidents, by ADs, more of a push really uh, to kind of open things up because the, the piecemeal way that everything was was kind of dealed out uh, I think definitely contributed to it and frankly it's just an entire PR disaster from from the PR from from the Pac-12 you know in general you know I, I think that was the the thing that really frustrated me the most uh, whether you're you know a reporter reporting on these things whether you're a Pac-12 fan out there really just the entire PR strategy uh, you know going into things um, you know some of the statements that were made it just never kind of really made sense especially when you would talk with people in the know and and get their sense of their frustration frustration um you know I, I think it was a whole lot a lot of missteps but uh, the, the pr strategy in, involved in everything uh and you know really kind of rubbed people the wrong way and i, I think ultimately contributed a lot of the stuff that you're talking about hmm. brian fisher joining us college football writer uh for fox sports all right so brian uh the espn and the college football playoff they get a six-year 7.8 billion dollars so essentially you're looking at well over a billion dollars a year for the rights to the college football playoff. Did that number exceed expectations? Was it about in the range where you thought it was going to be? Kind of give me your thoughts when you saw that number come across the wire. I think it was a little disappointing if you're, you know, some of the CFP staff or, or certainly some of the schools kind of involved in, in looking at some of those payouts down the road, you know, and I think in, in this media environment, is it an increase? Is it, uh, you know, upping with a, a pretty good uh, media partner in, in a changing world? Sure. All, all, all those things. But at the end of the day, you know, I think if you had asked somebody maybe a couple of years ago, you know, when, when the media rights market was a little bit hotter, and this is obviously something that the Pac-12 kind of ran into, and, and even the Big 12 to a lesser extent when they redid their their extension, you know, it, it's just not, you know, nobody's really kind of ponying up uh, for these things. And, and frankly, I, I think ESPN was kind of bidding against themselves. You know, this is not a, a package that ever really, really truly went to market. You know, you, you could say yes, after these next two years, you, you could start to negotiate beyond that. But, you know, ESPN still had some some things that, uh, that they could kind of leverage uh, in this. And I, I really don't did, never got the sense that as much as, um, you know, the CBSs and Foxes and, and NBCs of the world would, would definitely have some interest in part of the playoff package. You know, it really never got to the, the point where you're talking openly about having, a, you know, multiple networks involved in, in bidding for certain games, having a conference championship rotation in terms of um, some, some of the title games and, and semifinal rotations, you know, really never kind of got to that point. And ultimately, this is kind of the, the, the best deal that uh, the CFP could come up with and I, I think at the end of the day when you're looking at this kind of towards the back end of the deal especially you know four or five years from now uh, it kind of looks like a sweetheart deal for, for ESPN they're, they're locking up a, a marquee property in, in a changing media environment and they're going to have a, a lot of control over things and, and a lot of control over uh, what we have kind of seen seen uh, really emerge as America's second most popular sport there's really kind of only one thing out there you know for all the talk about NBA rights and everything coming up um, you know there's really only one thing that uh, is anywhere comparable or even in the region in terms of number of viewers to the NFL right now, and that's college football. And, uh, you know, for ESPN to kind of lock up uh, essentially the postseason format and expanded postseason format that 
keep in mind, is not just going to occupy you know the regular season, but really going to occupy America's attention across multiple months now. It's not just going to be a January thing. It's not going to be a, just a New Year's Day type of thing. This is going to be a multi you know multi week, multi month uh, kind of focus for for a lot of the uh, football interested country. And uh, you know, I, I think it's ultimately a, a great deal for ESPN, a solid deal for the CFP, and we'll see in terms of the schools themselves and ultimately the fans themselves as well. As good a job as ESPN does in terms of presenting this game, I, I think there could have been. Um, you know, certainly a lot more interest uh, drummed up if there had been multiple networks involved, and uh, maybe there is still the, the, that in the end. But uh, you know, there, there's no no doubt in my mind that this kind of it kind of reeks a little bit of, of a bit of a sweetheart deal for ESPN. Brad, I want you to give me some of the details and insights into this alliance between the Big Ten and the SEC that we just saw this merged alliance and what they're working towards. What does it mean? Does it have more meaning than the last alliance that we saw that was an absolute joke. Kind of walk us through what it what it may inflect and, and mean in the future of college football. You know, I, I think it's certainly a statement of intent that, uh, you know, kind of everybody's kind of, you know, questioned in terms of, all right, well, when are the, the SEC and the Big Ten, really the, the power to really going to start to kind of flex their muscles a bit? And this is not necessarily that, but I, I think it's a uh, sign that, you know what, we, we can if we want to. And and I do believe Tony Petiti and, and, and Greg Sankey in terms of they, they want to be inclusive, they like how college sports is, you know, they, they really want to lean into, you know, kind of the current system, fix a lot of the things that, um, you know, that, that are plaguing it. But at the end of the day, they also want to do what's best for their schools. And they understand that the power that they now have. And I think this is kind of, uh, you know, a march towards that, you know, and, and I think it's, it's certainly early days for things. You know, it, it is a committee, you know, it, it feels like every time any college sports wants to do anything, it's uh, all right, put, put a bunch of people in the room and have a couple of meetings and, and talk some things out. And this is certainly the early stages of that, but you know, you can definitely kind of tell this is uh, maybe down the road, you know, when, when push comes to shove, you know, if this group wants to do something, um, they're going to be more inclined to do this and, and kind of throw their weight around. And I, I think that is certainly the, the takeaway that I got, the takeaway that a lot of college leaders have got that, uh, you know, now now the Big Ten and the SEC, you know, they're certainly at the top of the table and, um, you know, they're starting to make sure that their voices are going to be heard. And whether that comes down to things like, you know, paying athletes directly, you know, this this whole thing that regarding Charlie Baker's new proposal, maybe shaping it. In, in a manner that uh, they they like more so than say um, your average group of five school or, or even what the Big Twelve and ACC want, um, you know, in terms of some of the lawsuit and legal settlements that they're, they're going to have to go through, um, you kind of get the sense that this is kind of the, the first foray in ter- terms of uh, you know the, these Big Ten and SEC schools kind of saying, all right, here's what we want to do, and then you guys can go ahead and do what your own things, and, and I think that's kind of where we're ultimately headed with uh, not only this this alliance that uh, is, is not uh, not signed on the out of the line by any stretch of the imagination, but is kind of much more of a statement of intent for a lot of these schools saying, you know what, we're we're kind of finally tired of uh, going along with the group. We're going to do our own thing, and you guys can either join us or you guys can go your separate ways. Do you feel like we're going to get a free run on transfers where guys can transfer as many times as they want and be immediately eligible? You know, I certainly from a legal standpoint, you know, that seems like where, where we're headed. But, uh, you know, I, I definitely talking with a lot of folks a couple months ago at, at the NCAA convention and the just, you know, in general, uh, since a lot of these legal rulings have come down. You know, I do feel like there is going to be some movement towards tying transfers to kind of academics. And, and you know, there's there's been some things around that in terms of, you know, progress towards your degree, that sort of thing. I, I think 
stiffening some of those restrictions up a little bit, um, you know, is, is probably going to be coming down the pipe at some point. You know, whether that stands up to things like antitrust scrutiny and some of the courts, um, you know, I think is kind of the, the big unknown and what uh, a lot of leaders are kind of questioning. And, and a lot of that's going to kind of come down to these really these next six months or so in terms of where the NCAA is going. But I, I do get the sense that, you know, nobody wants this this free agency on a constant basis, you know, and I think there, there's definitely some, some tired coaches out there, you know, kind of having to not only re-recruit their roster on, on really a monthly basis almost, you know, but really um, the administrators are tired of it too. You know, you know, anytime a guy transfers, you're, you're involving your compliance department, you're involving, you know, a lot of people around your football ops uh, and, and scouting, you know, areas. So like, it's not just the, uh, uh, the, the kids themselves, you know, transferring around and, and uh, you know, there, there's a lot of work on these athletic staffers as well. And I, so I think there is, going to be a realization and maybe some more added additional guardrails, if you will, in terms of tying transfers to academics and actually making this uh, much more a part of, you know, the, the college experience. You know, yes, we understand that, uh, you know what, a lot of these, you know, players can, can move around freely and kind of test the waters as, as they will. But uh, at the end of the day, you know what, uh, the, you still got to get your degree. And I think a lot of people are kind of coming around to the realization that, you know, and instead of having these restrictions like you only you can only transfer once or you can only do this, as long as you're kind of moving towards that degree, maybe maybe that's the way to kind of slow things down just a little bit while still offering that flexibility for players that you know what frankly do have to end up moving around and do want to find a, a better experience for them uh, you know on a day to day basis and and we'll ultimately see I think some of some progress towards that uh, in in these next couple of months. Well, Brian, we appreciate your time. Thanks for carving out a few moments for us, and I look forward to catching up with you get down the line. Thanks, Brian. Absolutely. Absolutely. Good to be on with you guys. There he is, Brian Fisher, Fox Sports, right here on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Isaac Johnson expected to join us next as we continue live, getting you ready for the weekend right here on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Ladies and gentlemen, may I present? This is JJ and Alex. Oh, he's calling you again. Oh, you guys are getting back together. You feel like it's not me. It's you. I've heard it before. We have been used as a love pawn in the A's trying to get into the Coliseum for a longer term without having to leave and give up some TV rights. JJ, please explain to me what went on here, because we were told behind closed doors that this thing was basically a done deal, that the A's coming to Salt Lake for a temporary three years was basically a done deal. And then I think we're finding out today that we've just been used. You stink, and I don't like you! Utah, you are in the friend zone. Oh, no! Catch JJ and Alex afternoons from 3 to 6. Presented by G2G Bars on 97.5 The KSL Sports Zone. You're locked on to Hans Olsen and Scotty Chin. Chin, Chin. That's right, yeah! On 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Hans and Scotty, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Hans, you're back in Salt Lake. I'm here in, uh, in uh, Fort Collins. Utah State getting set to take on Colorado State coming up tomorrow. Huge game. And joining us live here in Fort Collins, Isaac Johnson's with us. How you doing, man? Hey, oh, Isaac. I should probably turn your mic on. There you go. Oh, there we go. I'm doing good. Doing good. Glad to be here. 
All right, so we got some house cleaning. We got to get out of the way here first. My guy's from Weezer. Now, you were on the Oregon side of the border, right? Yeah. Yep. Nissa, Oregon. Super small oh, town. Yes. Parma, Nissa. You grew the hops out there, didn't you? <laughs> yep. They're out there on those big old log stands with the, the strings across them. Were you part of the hop farming out there? No. My dad was an elementary school principal. So we were in the Malheur County Fair with, uh, with pigs and goats, but we weren't farming. So, you uh, now again. I want to make sure I get this right because Hans is a Weezer guy. Oh yeah, and uh, and I've heard way too much about the Fiddle Festival. <laughs> so your your sister was it? Your sister that was my involved. My cousin. In? Oh, cousin. Yeah. Okay. So my cousin, uh, my brother actually started playing the fiddle, and my cousin was um, super competitive. She started playing because he was playing and wanted to be better, and so she proved it, and she won the Weezer Fiddle Contest, and then she went oh. on to win the National Fiddle Contest after she graduated high school. Oh, are you so, kidding me? What what division did she win? Uh, I think you, the over 18, so like the adult division. Wow, that's that that is tough. People don't understand the the Weezer Fiddle Contest is one of the top national contests. It is it is the uh, it is the identifier for your top national fiddlers so yeah she's the real deal that's incredible oh yeah that's what qualified her for nationals and then she went on to win that so how often did you guys light a fire and give her a fiddle and dance to it like is that <laughs> something you guys did in the every now and then at family reunions we do that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i'm glad the fiddling's the deal in your home man because it used to be the deal in our home my brother was a fiddler and we just sit there and listen to him fiddle just like paul on little house in the prairie which oh, is yeah, probably yeah. a a show reference that you probably don't yeah. know. Or do you know Little House on the Prairie? Oh, yeah. The Ingalls family. Come on. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'm telling you, Scotty, this dude's after my heart. Hey, I, I want to know this. You Yo, know Isaac, Merlin Olson's his uncle, right? Really? Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. And you, I guess you should know Little House on the Prairie since you're at Utah State and Merlin is the uh, the figure out there. But yeah. uh when did you start getting your height? I'm just curious because we don't grow people like you in Idaho very much. I know you're in this, the Oregon side, but um, when did you start getting your height and start thinking, holy cow, I, I might be able to play this game? Uh, I was always pretty tall. Um, I think sixth grade, I was six foot. Seventh grade, I was six three. Eighth grade, six six. And ninth grade, I was six nine. And then I just grew an inch after that. So I was just always pretty tall. Did you get it from your parents? Your parents tall? Yeah, my dad's six six and played for the Aggies um, one year before and one year after his mission. Okay. And then my mom is six two, so. So you yeah. knew it was going to happen. Now, how <laughs> yeah. tall? How tall Spencer? Uh, my older brother, he's six five, so he was projected to be like six eight, but. Got a capped out there know, at six yeah, five. Six huh? five, got him. <laughs> so little sister passed him up at six six. So was the competitive juices always flowing in the family? I mean, was it always something that oh, you yeah. guys always got after each other pretty good? Oh, yeah, always. There wasn't. Uh, when we got a little older, one-on-one -on -one wasn't allowed. It was only like pig or horse because otherwise you'd get too physical and <laughs> throw down in the driveway. Concrete was too dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that, huh? It got really competitive. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. We're good now. We're good now. We don't butt heads. We're, we're good now. Do you uh, – when, when you uh, – do you and Spencer compare notes a little bit every now and then? On I'm sure you watch his games. He watches your games. Do you guys talk basketball, or do you just try to stay away from that stuff and just see how you guys are doing personally? Yeah, we do. Um, we call each other about once a week, at least once a week, and just kind of check in emotionally how we're doing. And he's getting ready to be a dad here within the Oh, month. that's awesome. So um, just checking up on him and his wife, seeing how they're doing and with basketball in the season, plus becoming a dad, that's really stressful. Um, so – 
I think it was when I was at Oregon and we played BYU. We were down quite a bit when I subbed in, and he kind of gave me a little tap on the butt and was like, hey, just breathe, be confident, and just do you. So that's kind of where it started of us just checking up on each other and making sure we're all good. So, Isaac, I got to tell you, I I really stumbled upon your game. I, I actually came out to the Utah State-Boise State game there in the spectrum just to come take it all in. And you caught my eye in the first half, putting up a couple of threes, and, and then I <clears throat> was there in person seeing your length, and I was like, geez, this guy, this guy can, this guy can really hammer it. He can do a lot of things. Kind of describe to me what you see yourself as as far as a basketball player when you're talking about the stretch getting on the outside your style defense like what do you want to be what do you see yourself being in this game well first off thank you i really appreciate the compliment um but i think that i have the capabilities um obviously i haven't shown um super strength in defense this year and that's something that i'm uh, always intentionally thinking about and working on. Um, so that is one thing that I I think I did a little better job uh, later in the game in Wyoming with just chesting up, jumping up straight and walling up, making sure that they felt a tall presence. Um, but just being able to use my length and God-given um, abilities there, um, but being able to stretch the floor and make it easier for great and for other teammates on the drive that a guy has to be able to be out on me and that'll open up driving lanes um, and be able to knock down shots to, to keep the flow of the game going. Uh, you and I talked about this on Monday during the coaches show, but uh, you hit those big threes against Boise. You hit a couple big ones against Wyoming as well. What's it like when you feel that shot start falling and you know that, you know, you're pushing that lead out, you're getting big moments and those start dropping for you from an emotional standpoint. What, what's that like out there on the court? It's uh, it's pretty relieving. Like I, I always have this belief and confidence in myself, um, as I'm sure most basketball players do. Um, it's something that you kind of have to have. It's something that I'm definitely still working on. It. I haven't, I haven't reached a pinnacle by any means. Um, but there's always those nerves. I remember when I was running track. You're on that starting line, getting ready for the gun to sound, and you're always just like the nerves are going. But when you start running, same thing with basketball. Once you start playing, get into the groove of it, the nerves go away, and everything just starts to be basketball you don't see a lot of 610 guys running track what, what, what did you run <laughs> uh that was like way back in eighth grade i did okay. high, high jump at 200 meters <laughs> so hey when i was watching you against boise state i could see that there was some aggression out there and i know that you've got you and boise state you guys all had an axe to grind and and i love that rivalry what stands out to you more personally uh the back and forth of boise state or the back and forth with the team that you got coming up tomorrow um, I think we're just looking on to tomorrow. The past has already happened, and um, I'm glad that we won and that we had that we were able to put on for Stu and the past teams and for the whole crowd that was there. But we're looking to tomorrow. We're locking in. We got practice here in about an hour, and uh, just getting ready to go. Big day. When did you, you know? Uh, oh, I'm sorry. When, go ahead, Dance. Isaac, when did you start to understand that this team had some real spice, some real potential to make the runs that you've made? Um, I think it was probably during the summer. Um, there was a lot of times it's always unique in the summer. Cause I think it was this way with last year's team too. Until you play somebody else, you don't know how good you guys are really going to be until you have that comparison that, um, to put up against somebody else. 
And so in the summer, we started to see like what kind of pieces we had and how we were able to move and flow and, and connect so early on off the court. Um, we knew that it was going to be able to come together on the court. And then once we started going up against competition, we proved it right. You can't – people ask me about this team a lot and, you know, what, what I see. And I'm like, this team is just tough. I mean, and, and not that last year's team wasn't tough, but you can't ask for a more different team in terms of style <laughs> from last year to this year. Now, yeah. I know you redshirted last year, but you were a big part of that team and that system and, and what went on with practice and things like that. What was that like for you to go from that system to what is going on this year? Because both have been very, very successful, but just very different. Yeah, uh, it definitely was kind of a night and day difference and definitely not in a bad way, in a positive way. I think especially for me, um, there's a quote, um, there's no growth in the comfort zone, there's no comfort in the growth zone. Um, and I've been very uncomfortable this year because I've been growing and learning. And Coach Sprinkle and uh, the staff has has helped me personally be in that. And I think us all as individuals and as a team be put in uncomfortable situations so that we can grow and be better. Um, and it's been it's been a heck of a change, and I think we're all – doing well adjusting to it i have got a huge kinda, one against i'm you got a huge one against colorado state coming up tomorrow i mean yeah. they're ranked i know they're coming off that loss to san diego state where that second half really got away from them but that place is going to be rocking it's going to be packed it's going to be a sellout yep. you know that they want a little revenge for what happened in logan you guys i'm sure up for uh, a really emotional physical hard-fought game tomorrow for sure um we know that we made the right plays at the right times um and we had the spectrum behind us um but i think we've proven on the road that we don't always need i mean it's always so fun when we do have the spectrum and we appreciate it so much but we don't always need it in order to play good basketball and tough basketball sometimes in those environments when you feel like everybody's against you is when you come together the most as a team and you make those leaps and bounds to be better so can you kind of identify some of the things that you've got on the team board as far as goals this year now? Because I'm sure the target moves a little bit as you guys come together and continue to compile wins. But what is your team goal this year? Um, Mountain West champions. Yeah. Um, regular season and then going on to the tournament. Um, but I think to look at even a bigger standpoint that that before the season started, um, when coach was talking to us, we were in a team meeting, he was talking to us about toughness. And he said to us, I, as a head coach and as our coaching staff, we will make it to March Madness. That's not, that's a non-negotiable. We are, we are going to be there in a postseason. So you guys need to figure out toughness wise, how we're going to do it, hmm. but we are going to be there. And so March Madness is a non-negotiable. We are going to be there. We got to figure out a way to do it. And I think that's the same thing that we're starting to realize and, and grow into is that Mountain West champions, that's our goal. That's where we need to be, not just where we want to be. How long have you been rocking the stash? <laughs> uh, ever since I got home from my mission. So that was the number one thing. I grew out the mustache. and It's just kind of been my call sign. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I know you got practice. You got a lot of stuff to do. I'll let you go, man. But thanks for hanging out with us. We appreciate it. Good luck tomorrow. Should be a fun one. That place is always a crazy place. Uh, it's going to be rocking and uh, a lot on the line coming up for that one tomorrow. Yep. Yes, sir. Hey, great catching up with you, Isaac. And, and you make Nissa 
proud. That that Nissapharma area, you make them proud. So keep keep rocking that uh, that amazing stash and keep beating them up. <laughs> Thank you so much. Appreciate you. Good yep. to talk to you. Final segment next. We'll wrap up the show straight ahead. 97.5 DKSL Sports Zone. This is Jake Scott and Ben Anderson. Joining us now, guard for the Utah Jazz, the one and only Keontae George. Tell us about getting back in the starting lineup and how you're approaching it. I'm still approaching, approaching the game in the same way I did. You know, when I was rather I was starting, come off the bench, I was preparing like a starter. So I know when I went into the game, um, I knew how guys were in pick and roll. I knew what they were doing off ball. You know, of course, there's a difference between starting the game and coming off the bench. But for me, it was just about how can I be effective in the role that, that I'm put in. So it's great to you know, be the starting point guard and for a great organization. And, you know, not a lot of people get this opportunity. So I'm never going to take it for granted. I'm going to continue to work my tail off, continue to trust Will and, you know, his staff, continue to trust my teammates and continue to work to gain the trust of the older guys. And so it's a great journey. It's, of course, it comes with some adversity, but, you know, I love it. So just continuing to grow more and more into my role. Here, Jake Scott and Ben Anderson every day from 10 to noon on 97.5 the KSL Sports Zone. Got you covered. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on 97.5, the Sports Zone. Scotty, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone, wrapping up another edition of the show. Lloyd had so Are much we? fun today, wanted to start it all over again. I wish we could do another three hours right now. You want me to talk to JJ yeah. now, see if they'll just step aside? Well, I got Hands nothing at to the uh, I'm a, Western. I got nothing to do. I'm stuck here far. in Fort Collins. Hands, I know yeah, you don't, you, do you, probably, you probably can't do any ice fishing with that ear of yours. Yeah, you need to stay indoors, buddy. <laughs> it is crazy susceptible to weird temperatures. I got in the shower with a medium heat. It felt like I was putting hot lava on it. So, yeah, it is. It's, it is not ready to go out in the cold, so I'm going to stay off the ice. I, I, it might just be one of those lazy bumming around the house weekends, you know? Oh, boy. I'm sure, I'm sure the missus can find something for you to – keep you occupied oh yeah she i'm sure i I, i'll sit down to start to watch masters that air and it'll be like oh did you you got that fan in the bathroom replaced i'll be like oh oh. i didn't want to sit here and watch movies anyways so let's do that let's (laughs) fix fans is, is it zoo time because i got mama wanting to take the kids to the zoo i'm like like oh in february yeah is it zoo time? No. I think it's not, but I don't think it's zoo time. Uh, you know what's crazy? If like if you get like a forty-eight degree temperature day, they'll be out doing their business. Um, most of them will be active. Most Very of the animals active. will be active. The cats will be active. Uh, the monkeys will be active. So maybe, but it it is close to too early. Yeah, I don't. I don't know, man. 
I even if they're active, I don't know if I want to be active out there because that's cold. But I don't know. That's I got to figure out something to do. I got I got time to kill here in uh, Fort Collins, so I don't know what there is to do around here. I know we talked about going to movies, but I, there's not any movies out there that look any good to me right now. So I don't know. We'll figure something out. But I hope well, everybody has a good weekend. Hanging out should here. be a fun one. After hanging out here at the Western Hunting and Conservation Expo, Scotty, you're in a great place to get out there, go see the wildlife, go catch all the beautiful views, because I know they've got plenty of them out there. But I wanted to thank the Western Hunting and Conservation Expo for having us out again, because these guys are great. And this is a beautiful event. They put so much time and so much effort into it. It's down here at the Salt Palace, right down Salt Lake, downtown Salt Lake City. Jump in a car, bring your kids. They've got every animal in this state in a taxidermy form that you can take a look at and see it up close. And I'm telling you, it is great to come in and just learn about the world of hunting and get yourself educated on how to go about it and where you start the tags and the purchasing and entering into the lottery for tags and what those tags mean and where the money goes, come down and just see what it's all about because I really do pay attention to the conservation side of things because as our population booms here in the state of Utah, and believe me, over the next five years, it's going to continue to boom. I hope that every person that steps foot in this state understands how serious we take our wildlife and how serious we take our hunting and how important it is that you do it the right way because there is a right way to do it. And that's what this uh, Hunting and Conservation Expo is all about, doing it the right way. And I am very passionate about that end of things. I'm not so big on big game hunting, but I'm very passionate on working conservation and making sure that our state officials are able to control our populations and make sure that our wildlife stay healthy. Love it. Absolutely love it. Event continues on this weekend. Make sure to go down there, say hi, and uh, check out all the great stuff going on. Uh, Always, they do it right. They know how to knock it out of the park for sure. Hands, have a great weekend, my friend. Always good. Thanks, Always guys. Another yep. fun week of shows. We uh, will be off on Monday. We'll be back with you on Tuesday. Uh, remember, Utah State-Colorado State game tomorrow. It'll be a massive game uh, between two you know, teams that are either ranked or right there, ranked near the top of the conference, a lot on the line for that one. So pregame will begin at 3. Uh, tip-off is at 3.30. And uh, you don't have any jazz, so uh, sit back and uh, – Hang out with us for that Utah State game. It's going to be a lot of fun. Lloyd, have a good weekend too, my friend. Go go see those zoo animals. Let's go kill some birds. I'm psyched. <laughs> JJ and Alex next, 97.5 DKSL Sports Zone. <laughs>